Meyer Hatchery was founded by Karen Meyer in 1985. Karen was a young mother raising her family alongside her husband on their dairy farm in Polk, Ohio, with her small flock of chickens as her hobby. That hobby grew into a small business. Family support and hard work put the business on the path to success. Over 35 years later, the Meyer family are still proud owners of the industry-leading hatchery that offers over 160 breeds of poultry, including chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, guineas, and game birds, plus a full line of feed and supplies. Check out their website at MeyerHatchery.com, and you can get $5 off your online order when you use code DRINKINFARM at checkout. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? More coffee. <laughs> Yay. But in my beautiful tumbler, which if anybody doesn't know, my tumbler is two and a half years old now at this point. Like, I've had this for forever. And the stickers are still holding up real well. Oh, well, those aren't stickers, but, you know, the, the lettering that we put on it. <laughs> for you when you purchase one <laughs> is holding up really well and I put some fun stickers on it and those are holding up really well too I love this tumbler it's my favorite favorite coffee receptacle on the planet <laughs> I love it so what did you open over there so I am having another bolt house farms smoothie it's the blue goodness Ooh, ah, and I didn't know like that these things, at least this one has biotin in it. I was a little surprised by that, which is really good for your hair, skin, and nails. But the, this funny thing happens with me and biotin, and then copied with or combined with pregnancy hormones, I am breaking out like a teenager. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Hence the wonderful headbands I've been wearing because it's all located like on my temples and on my forehead. I do not have the pregnancy glow. I have the pregnancy zones. Oh, it's just a different kind of glow. And thankfully, there are like video filters that just makes the face look great anyways. Looks less angry. Oh. <laughs> uh. Our drink beef this episode is our friend Kayla Wood, and she is at Honey Creek Homestead over on the Instagram. So cheers, Lenny. Cheers. And speaking of being pregnant, we're going to start sprinkling in some topics about farm things and how to do them or what to be mindful about if you are in that condition that I am in. So today we're going to talk about chicken keeping while pregnant. Yes. And this is a really great topic, actually, because I'm sure people have questions about like, what can I still do? Do I have to stop anything? Do I have to do anything different? Because the last thing you want to do is find out later that the way you've been doing something wasn't really ideal, you know, while you're growing a human inside of you, as us uh, women are capable of. (laughs) So I do want to point out too, that some of the stuff we're going to talk about today should be things that might, you might want on your radar anyways, even if you're not pregnant. 
it's just good information to know. I pulled this together from like, I think I'm looking at like eight resources too, because you really can't find like one good consistent resource that isn't fear porn. Oh, yeah. This is not a fear porn episode. Nah. No. And the original article I po- I pulled is was like, smelled like fear porn. It wasn't like flat out like fear based, but and a lot of it has to do with your comfort level too. And obviously talk to your doctor because we are not doctors. But some of the things the article was saying felt a bit extreme for me as far as the precautions went. But again, that's all your comfort level and what's going to keep you sane when you're pregnant. Because it's already hard enough not to let the hormones get the best of you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really important to kind of evaluate, you know, what you're doing just because of anxiety or like what actually has to be done. Because sometimes we can find ourselves overextending ourselves for safety's sake just to be safe because it's always well you'd rather be safe than sorry but like you'd also rather be sane than like (laughs) freaking yourself out all the time as well so like there's definitely a good landing place for everyone that's going to be a different spot for you so you might hear some of this and you might think Oh, no, I definitely would rather do this to the extreme part of safety. But you'll hear other parts and you'll be like, you know, since that's just kind of a suggestion and I don't really have that opportunity, like, I think I'm just going to have to keep doing it this way. Like, that's okay, too. You got to talk to your doctor about what, what your body is capable of and what you need to do in your specific situation. Very important to advocate for yourself and get the facts and all of your options. So we're hoping we can play just like a sliver of that role in giving you some information today. So can you keep chickens safely while pregnant? The answer is yes. You do not need to get rid of your chickens. Hooray! Just like you don't need to get rid of your cats. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) (laughs) No. It, It makes me so sad. I see so many people asking that question in the forums that I look at sometimes. Because there's, again, so much fear porn out there that people think just being in the vicinity of a cat is dangerous. And it's like, really, you got to be all up in their poop and putting it in your mouth. Mm -mm. Don't do that. Don't put poop in your mouth. So kind of the same thing here. So, (laughs) you know, people have been keeping chickens during pregnancy for thousands of years. So this is not a new thing for humans. But we are very aware, especially as we're, you know, hopefully crawling out of a pandemic i hope we're all very aware of bacteria and germs and you know you got to be careful that's it just makes sense to be careful especially when you're talking about things like coop cleaning or collecting eggs or dealing with a sick chicken so obviously one of the main reasons you want to be more careful while keeping chickens while you're pregnant is that chickens can have various diseases and as a pregnant woman you're going to have a decreased immune system, or at least that's what they try to tell me, but I try to like reject that and just pretend I'm, I have like superhuman uh, strength. Now you have two immune systems. (laughs) How does that not give you extra? I know. (laughs) Well, I feel like this little guy or in, in my belly is like a vampire sometimes. So maybe he's just saving it all for himself, but that's probably good for him. So first we're going to talk about some diseases that you're going to want to be aware of. Some of them are going to sound familiar, I think. So we're going to dive into respiratory diseases. 
Mm, yeah, those are no fun. No. So this article talks about three of them. The first one is aspergillosis. I think I nailed that, but somebody can fact check me if I'm wrong. This is a disease that impacts the aviary world quite commonly, which is funny because I'd never heard of it before, but that is good to know. (laughs) The dangerous thing about it is that it can be transmitted to humans. So it's basically caused by certain types of fungus and it impacts the entire respiratory system. And it has some classic symptoms and those vary quite significantly depending on the type of chicken, its age, and other such factors. So sounds like this can be a little challenging to nail down. And also the, another downside is the treatment process is very lengthy. And this is because fungus infections take time and effort. Generally, this treatment is spread for a period of four to six months and Itraconazole, itraconazole is generally the drug treatment for uh, treating aspergillosis. So contact a veterinarian about that if you're concerned and need that medication. It also says in the article antifungal agents along with nebulization are recommended. Symptoms do include breathing problems, breathing through the mouth, and so on. So... If you think your chicken has this, you probably shouldn't be the one handling it. Oh, that makes sense. But it's one of those that sounds like, is it just an upper respiratory infection or is it something more serious? So don't freak out. Those are the symptoms (laughs) for gateworm also, like in a chicken. So like there are a lot of things that can cause your chicken to do that. But generally, uh, you know, the place where we tend to contract that those types of diseases from our chickens is in the dust that's in their coop like you know especially while we're cleaning it or while they're flying off the roost so like you can avoid going in there when there's lots of movement so that dust isn't being cut kicked up in your face and you can also get like you know one of those n95 masks to clean with and that helps prevent that dust from getting in your lungs and like you don't want your lungs having all that yucky stuff in it anyways I was really bad. I used to never wear a mask when I cleaned the barn or the coop, but now I do every time because I find it. I, I find I don't, I don't get that snotty post barn and coop cleaning thing for the next few days. So yeah, yeah, we're really bad about that here. I hate wearing masks, and wearing masks while doing really physical activity is really terrible for me. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm really lucky that Matt handles most of the chicken cleaning anyways for the larger coop. The smaller coop, that charming coop, is so easy to clean. Oh, yeah. I I was going to say that you're always in fresh air in that charming coop, which I really like because it's so small. Like, you just open the door. Yeah, I don't wear a mask when I clean the charming coop because I'm just sweep it real quick and then done. Yeah. But if you're, like, in there and it's surrounding you, you might have to do something that's a little uncomfortable and wear a mask if you're the one responsible for cleaning it. Mm -hmm. I'm very spoiled that Matt just kind of handles it anyways. And I might jump in and help, but he's fantastic. And like I said, I'm very spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. You can take lots of breaks, go outside, get some fresh air, take it off. Sometimes I have to change them out too, like more than once because they get all like brown. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want... I don't want to put that back on my face. (laughs) 
Yes, they do get so gross. But then that makes you realize, like, what is going into your body when you're doing that, Yeah, too. exactly. And, like, and your lungs are pretty good at cleaning themselves eventually. But you don't want to have to have your lungs work that hard. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's a longer project, like the goat barn will take hours and hours and hours. And usually you do at least have like some really colorful boogers afterwards. (laughs) So yeah, just be mindful of that, whether there's anything wrong with your chickens or not. Since you can't take a lot of medications when you're pregnant either, that may be something to keep in mind too. If it kind of flares up your allergies or anything like that. I don't know if you can take allergy medicine. I've been very like, I'm not taking anything unless I absolutely have to in my pregnancy, not even Tylenol things that are recommended by my doctor for my situation. So I I am very like, not putting in my body unless I absolutely have to. So just keep that in mind. Again, that's your comfort level and talking to your doctor and figuring out what you're good with. Yep. So what's our next disease that chickens can have? It's one that has been in the news a lot lately. So I really don't want to freak people out with this one. But avian influenza is our next one, also known as the bird flu. And this is really bad because it impacts birds quite regularly. Like we've seen it come up in the news quite a few times, especially recently. And you might see like calling of thousands or even millions of chickens, depending on how far the spread is. And because the spread is so rapid and the symptoms manifest in many ways, it's just really devastating and can be kind of hard to catch because it's like the last one where it might present differently. But... Typically, it's sneezing, coughing, darkened waddles, and darkened comb, nasal discharges, and also swelling around the eyes and the head. They might also have an, uh, a fever with that as well. So this is considered a viral infection, and there's no prescribed medicines except medicines that can manage the symptoms associated with it. So the birds can recover within four to five days, but because of the way it spreads, that's why you see the mass culling most of the time. Yeah. Okay. The good news is for our humans, it's mostly a threat to birds and doesn't spread easily among people, but there was a major outbreak of bird flu in people in 2014. It's, it's not really, or there were like really few cases of human to human transmission where people were in exceptionally close contact, such as a mother who caught the virus while caring for a sick infant. So it's not likely that you're going to get it, but it is something just to be aware of, especially right now since it is kind of going around. Yeah, for sure. All right. So our last scary disease is another one that you might have heard of in the news, maybe not so recently, but Newcastle disease. Mm. Yeah, so this is a virulent disease that impacts the avian population. It's also known as NDV, and it is a disease that is a big problem across the globe. It leads to acute respiratory disease, and the symptoms are typical, classical, unmistakable type symptoms. But again, kind of similar to the other ones, but there are some some other specific things here, like gasping cough. Bleeding nostrils, drooping wings, muscular tremors, lack of appetite, depression, circling, turning and twisting of the head and neck. So you could see how some of those are a little different, maybe even a little more dramatic and scary. There's also typically a foul smelling discharge from the nostrils. And in some cases, 
the chickens could have watery diarrhea. So that's another thing to look for. Fun. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> so again, this is a viral infection. There's no treatment for this disease. You can only address it symptomatically. And with this one, the virus can remain active and alive for around two months. And it can also stay alive in dead carcasses for more than 12 months. Just kind of terrifying, you know. Therefore, if you have this diagnosis in your flock, safe, efficient, and rapid disposal of the carcasses of the dead chickens is going to be extremely important. However, the good news is that viruses can easily be killed by disinfectants. Another thing I think we've all learned this past couple of years. They can be sprayed on the dead bodies of the chickens to neutralize the viruses and kill the viruses before they can do any further damage. And our friend the sun can also lead to immediate cause of death for viruses. Sunlight is very powerful. Yeah, sunlight is fantastic. It can bleach stains out um, and it kills bacteria. So... And it makes me happy. Oh, gosh. Yes, it makes me so happy. It bleaches out my bad mood. It does. It, it bleaches out my bad mood. <laughs> so to wrap this one up, in humans, NDV causes mild flu-like symptoms or conjunctivitis, which is a fancy word for pink eye. Or it could also cause laryngitis, which is an irritation and swelling of the voice, voice box in the area around it. So if you have this issue and you're feeling those things... Probably good to talk to your doctor and see if you should have any concerns for you or your baby. All right, this next one. This is the one that causes a lot of fear, especially for the feline community. Toxoplasmosis. So this is not just for cats. This is also chickens. I had no idea that chickens could have toxoplasmosis. So, like, I'm not, I'm not having any more children, I don't think. That's not in my plan anyways, <laughs> but I like, I love learning new stuff. <laughs> that is like new information all the way. <laughs> well, this does end with some good news. Okay. So we'll start with the bad and get to the good. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So the, the poop from chickens in the coop can increase the risk of toxoplasmosis for pregnant women when they are exposed to it during pregnancy. In many studies, strains of less severe and destructive toxoplasmosis infection are easily found in chickens, but in rare cases, they can affect humans negatively. So toxoplasmosis is a disease that results from infection with the toxoplasma gondii, gondii, gondii parasite. Toxoplasmosis is just easier to say. But this is actually one of the world's most common parasites. So not only can you get it from poopy, you can get it from undercooked contaminated meat and then mother to child transmission during pregnancy is another way that it passes through. So that's why they're always like, cook your meat all the way, which is super sad with steak. Mm, I do not cook. And eggs. I don't cook eggs all the way either. I love runny eggs. And I'm sorry, I want my steak bleeding everywhere. It just, it's, it, it tastes better that way and it has a better texture. <laughs> Yes. And I did some research on the steak thing because I bought a quarter beef and I'm like, this steak is delicious and amazing. I need to know what that threshold is. And I did find some sources that said medium rare is okay. So if you aim for that window between 135 and 145, 
you might still have some of that. It's still kind of mooing. My favorite way. <laughs> effect. Yes, mine too. Most doctors and sources will probably tell you at least 145. So it's really, again, up to your comfort level. But if you know where that meat's coming from and you know how it was handled, you're likely going to be okay. Or if you're ordering from a really, really bougie restaurant that you trust and has never had issues, also probably going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Again, talk to your doctor. And you can always go with medium. That should get you to that threshold for sure and still give you good texture and flavor. But it makes me sad. I mean, I I can handle it. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's not like dun dun dun. Yeah, no, chard <laughs> makes me sad. I, I won't eat it. <laughs> I don't think my dogs would eat it. No offense to you if you like your steaks real well done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so toxoplasmosis may cause flu-like symptoms in some people, but most people that are affected never actually develop signs and symptoms. For infants born to infected mothers and for people with weakened immune systems... Toxoplasmosis may cause serious complications, highlighting may there. If you're generally healthy, not pregnant, and have been diagnosed with toxoplasmosis, you probably won't need any treatment, maybe some conservative management. But if you are pregnant or have a lower immunity for whatever reason, you may want some medical management to avoid severe complications. Obviously, the best approach, though, is prevention. So instead of avoiding it, you just take some precautions when keeping chickens while pregnant as accidental exposure to their poop can expose you to this health problem. We'll talk more in the second half of this about like the specific hygiene things to be aware of. But ending on a higher note, in some places, the most common route of infection with toxoplasmosis is actually in humans from unclean vegetables. Not from animals. And another place you want to watch out for it is in your garden. Gardening is actually a major cause too. And some of that is because you have poop in your soil or the neighborhood cats use your garden as a litter box. Yeah. Or your own barn cats. Yeah. (laughs) Which rude. So rude. But the funnest, the funnest fact of them all is once you've gotten toxoplasmosis, you're probably not going to get it again. Oh, But there are some reports that people have gotten infected more than once. That seems extremely rare. So chances are if you're on a farm and you've been around cats your whole life, especially outdoor ones, you probably have immunity. Oh, okay. So you just like got it, thought it was a cold and... Or you might not even have known. You might have been lucky, but I've been playing with barn cats since I probably could walk. So I'm still being very careful, still um, assigning out the cat box cleaning my husband just because... I mean, I'm only planning on being pregnant once. I got to milk it for what it's worth. (laughs) But if I did, if I did go to clean a litter box or handle chicken poop, I would wear gloves and maybe a mask, depending on how all up in the business I'm going to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Last one. You've all heard about this one, too, I'm sure. Salmonella. Yeah. Every year, I feel like the CDC comes out and says, don't kiss your chicken. Salmonella. I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. It's probably not a good idea to kiss your chickens or their eggs while you're pregnant. So the bacteria is found on the eggs. It's also in the droppings as well as anything that comes in contact with the mouth of an infected chicken. So don't kiss your chicken on the mouth. Maybe we can say that. I mean, they don't have lips, so they're just going to 
Pack you anyways. <laughs> on the mouth or in the nose or in the eye. Like, that just seems risky for other reasons, personally. I'll kiss them on the top of the head. Yeah. Or just give them a good hug. The hugs are good. They prefer that anyways. I think so, too. <laughs> so when a healthy person comes in contact with this bacteria, they can fall sick for a long time. But the infection is much riskier in pregnant women, like everything else, because you don't have enough to be worried about when you're pregnant. This is salmonella is a common bacterial disease, and it does infect your intestinal tract. Typically, the bacteria lives in humans and animal intestines and is shed through feces. Humans become infected more frequently through contaminated food or water. So you hear that a lot in raw chicken, too. Lots of recalls. So typically, people with salmonella infection have no symptoms, but sometimes others develop fever, diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and that'll be happening to you within 8 to 40 or 8 to 72 hours. But most healthy people recover really quickly, but it can be really dehydrating because of the diarrhea. So it's a good idea to seek medical attention, especially if you're pregnant. Life-threatening complications can also maybe develop if the inspection, infection spreads beyond your intestines. Your risk to acquiring salmonella infection is higher if you travel to countries with poor sanitation too. Yeah, it's just a thing to be aware of so yeah just watch out for those chicken droppings poop on the outside of the eggs poop in the feathers heat like boiling will kick kill the bacteria as well as dry heat as chickens dust bath too that can also help take care of the majority of the bacteria so make sure you give your chickens the opportunity to roll around in the dirt and a very moist ground in humid coop also increases that bacteria spreading and infecting humans. So keep your coop as clean as possible. And then also just wash, wash, wash your hands and your food. Hand washing is just a good habit to be in in general. Um, Cause like think of all the gross things your digits touch. I mean, and, and honestly, it's mostly your phone. Like how many times have you thrown your phone on the bathroom floor and then just picked it up and put it in your pocket without even thinking about it? And then like ate a cheeseburger, like <laughs> not to like gross anybody out, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, as soon as I, I come in from the barn, like one of my goats had kids the other day and like I wore gloves most of the time because you're not supposed to be touching goat after birth if you're pregnant with your bare hands and I hate wearing gloves too but I just did a double check on my hands and then Clorox wiped my whole phone because it's like I know I dropped it on the ground at one point (laughs) there's poop everywhere out there yeah so the phone's a good point for sure we are so excited that Grubbly Farms has launched their first non-poultry product roomies and yeah, we, when we say we're excited, we mean that our drink and farm pup producers are also very excited. Yes, they are. And you can now treat your pup to a delicious snack rich in antioxidants for healthy joints and hips. And Vroomy soft shoes are baked in the USA with all natural ingredients that dogs love, like sweet potato and pumpkin. And unlike traditional dog treats, Grubbly Farms has blended farm fresh vegetables with sustainable grub protein to provide your pups with 
clean fuel that's hypoallergenic, highly digestible, and packed with 35% more protein than a prime rib steak. I mean, come on. Your dogs will come running for Vroomies. Go to grublyfarms.com to check out Vroomies. And make sure you use code DRINKINFARM25 to get 25% off your first order. All right, Sam. So we just spent the whole half of, first half of the episode talking about all the scary things, you know, that can creep up rarely with chicken keeping. So what are some precautions that you can take while you're chicken keeping during pregnancy so you can avoid those things? Yes. So one of the first things, I think one of the best things you can do, and we touched on it a little bit, is just practice good hygiene and safety steps sensibly, you know, to prevent exposure to these elements that we talked about earlier in the podcast. You just want to make sure you're not rolling around in the droppings of the chickens. You also want to be careful if you pick up a cracked egg or a broken egg and there's yolk and kind of like a yolk poop mixture happening. Wear gloves when you're you're collecting that kind of messiness. If they're like regular clean eggs, I personally wouldn't wear gloves, but that's up to you if you're collecting eggs. Maybe you feel better about wearing gloves. Totally fine. Also, just keep tabs on if you're in the coop doing something and come out. Is there anything on your clothing? Or is there anything on your boots? And make sure your arms and legs are covered, too. If you're in there doing a lot, getting dusty, getting dirty. It's just going to make it a lot easier for you to, like, strip down and throw everything into the wash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the habits that I get into, especially during the warmer months when I'm going outside a lot, sometimes I strip off, like, my barn clothes and I just hang them next to the door and then I put them on next time I go out there because I'm going in and out but when you're pregnant and you're getting lots of like that dust and stuff on them it might be better you know to just change and use fresh clothes instead so that you're not accidentally exposing yourself to something that might be on there all right so like we were saying not a bad idea to change your clothes when you get inside wash them right away it might also be a good idea for you just hop in the shower or at the very least, just wash anything that touched dirty, anything in the clo- on your clothes when you were taking them off or in the coop. The way this article was written, I didn't want to <laughs> act like that, that was what I was doing. But they suggested taking your clothes off outside, putting them in a thick garbage bag, and then you like gloving up and putting the contents in the garbage bag into your washer. That is not something I'll do because I don't think it's good for my anxiety. If I knew that my chickens were having a known problem, I might feel differently. It might act differently, but that is kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum there of just wash your hands to wear a hazmat suit. (laughs) But again, that's up to you and what you're comfortable with and how much help you have. I have a lot of help, so I have more flexibility And what I'm doing here, if you don't have help, then do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, and like, I haven't always done this, but I just do this anyways. I have a big tub of teat wipes now in my barn. So I use those as just like 
I, anytime like somebody gets poop on me or something like that, like I just grab one of those and like disinfect like wherever on my skin. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a disinfectant wipe that's formulated for udders, which are really, you know, they're sensitive organ. So I'm using them just to clean. They come in like a packet. It's a, it's a tub that has 700 of them. And then there's refill packs to get for them. So like, that's just like an easy way to make cleanliness a habit in front of mind just in general without overdoing it without feeling like you're being obsessive and like the hand sanitizer and all that stuff like it's just quick wipe and then you get the chunks off of you too and yeah I have seen some information on the internet which is like the worst place to look I feel like for a lot of things around what kinds of sanitizing wipes you should be using when you're pregnant oh okay I mean I've gone like full crunchy on what I use for certain things <laughs> while I'm pregnant. I double check my cosmetics, my deodorant, my, what I'm putting in my hair, what I'm putting on my face. I'm just very hypervigilant of that right now. Some people might not go to those links. But one of the things I saw was that they really don't suggest you use Clorox wipes. Oh, okay. Well, they have bleach in them. Yeah. Obviously, I said a Clorox bleach my phone, but it's something that I did really quick and then I washed my hands. So just be mindful, depending on your comfort level and, and how cautious you're being with products i mean just there's some really good clean baby wipes out there you could use take those to the barn too so you have options yeah i used to just use baby wipes but the they dried out too fast and this is designed for barn use so i was like oh i'll just use them for my hands so it's a little easier yeah that's a very good point i had not thought of that because i've been milking i am using bleach willy-nilly now because sanitation for for milk, for raw milk, it has been really important to me. So now I'm I'm upping my comfort level in using those kinds of products and how I can use them and how much to dilute and all of that stuff. I said willy-nilly, but I'm using it carefully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And some of this stuff, too, is just weighing the risk versus the benefit, like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to have stomach issues because I wasn't cleaning my milking equipment good enough. So you know what? I'm just going to... So now I bleach everything after I'm done milking. It just makes sense. Yeah. And my milk lasts longer too. Oh, well, there you go. There's another pro. My mom basically swims in bleach and she's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> she does, she cleans houses for a living. So she bleaches her front. Yeah. So it really is like your situation and what you're comfortable with. We like research here, so feel empowered to look at research, but also take a grain of salt and don't get too wrapped up or scared either. The other thing you can do if you're planning on adding to your flock or even just starting up chicken keeping while you're pregnant, buy chickens from a a good hatchery. Reputable. That's the word we stumbled on there. NPIP certification. Yes. Stuff like that. It's really good to do that from a reliable source while you're pregnant because they're going to screen for certain diseases. It could also reduce the chances of your birds carrying salmonella and toxoplasmosis. Stuff happens. That could still become a problem later down the road. But you can easily eliminate the chances of transmission of chicken pathogens to humans as well as other chickens when you know where they were purchased from and that it was a disease-free environment. Yeah. So you're probably fine if you go to the feed store, too, because they're going to purchase from a reputable hatchery, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Mm-hmm. And we kind of already covered this. Should you clean your coop? If you can, I would recommend personally leaving it to somebody else. 
people seem to really like to help you more when you're pregnant. So I'm not saying like abuse that, but you might have somebody in your circle and your family or friends that wants to help you through this phase of your life. So don't be afraid to ask. But also, if you have to do it yourself, just use some of the hygiene protocols we talked about and consider wearing a dust mask. Yeah. And just like last thought on that thing, I highly recommend that you start building your village while you're pregnant. Like, because one of the things that you can run into, especially when it's your first pregnancy or it's going to be your only pregnancy like Sam is planning, you think that you should be able to do everything on your own because you don't, you know, like have other children to take care of or another baby or a toddler because like a lot of people find themselves in the they've got a baby and toddler in tow and they're pregnant on top of that too so like obviously you require more help just for sanity at that point so your first one you're of the mindset that you may not need to ask for that help or you feel guilty for it but like Start that village building now. You can do other things for people that don't, you know, endanger you or your pregnancy. And they can do those other things for you, you know, that help keep you safe and your and your baby safe. So think about that. I was struck by the community thing yesterday because one of my friends, she just had a lot happening yesterday. And she was like, can you please come get my daughter and bring her to Girl Scouts? And can you help her with her math homework? And I was like, I would love to like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's one of those things that feels really overwhelming to ask for because you feel like you're really putting someone out. But I was like, no, I am happy to help with that. It would have never occurred to me to offer that. You know, I didn't realize that that was what you needed. And so I know it's not a baby example exactly, but like, I just thought about it and I was like, see, this is why like child rearing really is like a village. Like it takes a whole village because sometimes you're really good at things or capable of things that other people aren't and vice versa and it's just like this is a good stage to start getting used to asking for help I was today years old when I started asking people for help like you know what I mean like I I always thought that I had to be strong and do it all myself and that is just not the case other people want to help you and accept it with grace and you can be there to offer when they need it. Yeah. I'm definitely bad at that by default. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard. I am too. Yeah. But we do have some people around here that we can ask for help with other things that are farm related and they're very helpful. So that is good to have for sure because when you're juggling all the things you're bound to drop one of the balls at one point you can't keep it up forever yep that's right but uh i know we've said this a lot but we'll say it one more time as we're closing out the topic for today in case you are sick or not feeling well or have concerns contact your doctor or your midwife or your doula or whoever you're working with contact them and work through it with them just use this as your guide. Use this as like a spirit animal guide. It's a jumping off point for conversations that you may not have realized you needed to have with your medical team. Yeah, surprise, surprise. My physicians have not asked me one question about diet or lifestyle. And I've been going to the doctor since January. They have no clue that I have a farm. I could, I could solicit that and bring it up. 
if I had concerns, but at this point I haven't had too many. And with feeling empowered enough to do my own research with this podcast, haven't felt the need. So you might have to bring this sort of thing up too, because depending on who you're working with and who your birth team is, they might, this might not even be on the radar to ask about. (laughs) Yes. It's something weird could be going on and they don't realize that it's, I'm related. Yeah. You might have to offer that information or ask things like, is it okay for me to lift a feed bag? So the other part of chicken keeping, those things are heavy. So yeah, keep this all in mind and good luck. Especially if you just found us for this purpose, like congratulations and good luck. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So one of the things that we do at the end of our episodes is read a review that one of our lovely listeners has left us. We do have one for this week. If you want to leave us a review, you can do that by going over to Apple Podcast and submitting a review that way. If you don't have Apple Podcast, don't want to download iTunes to your laptop, that's totally fine. You can call and leave us a voicemail. Leave us a review that way. Because what we do is we take all the names from the reviews we read, and we're going to put those in a drawing, draw out a name, And that person will win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in the shop. Make sure you leave your Instagram handle or something in your review so we can make sure we're matching you up with your winning result. Yep, that's right. So Beth, are you going to read this week's review for us? Yeah, I sure will. Yay. This review is from Danny and lots of numbers. So read them (laughs) all. But you'll know who you are. (laughs) and the title is entertaining and educating i found this podcast about three years ago when i was feeling lost after selling our dairy herd dairy cow herd knowing there was more to life on the farm than milking changed my life sam and bev have kept me learning and laughing and reminding me i'm not the only farm chick who struggles sometimes oh yeah i love that yeah that had to be hard Selling all your dairy cows. So I'm glad that we've been a source of comfort. Mm-hmm. Or at least you laugh at us and it makes you feel better. I mean, <laughs> we're here for whatever you need. <laughs> yes. We have a mini sode coming up next week. So make sure you send us your can't evens in the Facebook group. You can post them in there by hashtagging can't even. Or you can email them to us at drinkandfarm.com. And we will share those on the next mini-sode. Yeah. Our email address is drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. That would be important to share. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to everything we discussed today. There's a lot of them. So go to those show notes. You can get there by going to drinkandfarm.com slash 197. That'll take you to all the sources. So you can go check out and read some of those articles yourself and dig in a little deeper if you feel like you need to do that. There's also a link to a survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it. That's it. And until next time, drink, farm, and give zero fucks. Bye now. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink 